Welcome to Stories of Iceland. I would like to start the episode by thanking my Patreon sponsors, Laura, Vivian and Alana. I am so grateful you make me happy. Thank you so much. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. There is extra material there and more will be added. And also thanks to everyone who's rated, liked or reviewed the podcast. It helps. But this is Stories of Iceland and this is the 11th episode and it's a little different. It is called Where is Hökur? Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. In 2008, there were a series of widespread protests in Iceland following the collapse of the Icelandic banking system. On the 8th of November, there was a demonstration at Östervöllur in front of Althingi, the parliament. It was the largest yet. Maybe the election results in the United States had something to do with it. Americans had elected hope and change, but for us there was no hope and no change. I was at the demonstration and witnessed what proved to be a defining moment. In the aftermath of the financial crisis, all of a sudden the crowd noticed the man climbing on top of the parliament building. He approached the flagpole and took down the Icelandic flag and hoisted a flag from a discount supermarket chain. A winking pink pig on a yellow background. The symbolism was not lost on the protesters who cheered. The owner of the supermarket chain, which is called Bonus, had been one of the major players of the Icelandic banking system and also had close ties with many politicians. The Althingi had in the previous decades become a cheap tool of these bankers. But the first thought I had was, is that Haukur? And it turned out that I was right. It was Haukur Hilmarsson, an acquaintance of mine a radical anarchist with distinctive ragged blonde dreadlocks. When Hökur climbed down, the police tried to arrest him, but the crowd of protesters protected him. Two weeks later, Hökur, along with his fellow university students, took part in a field trip to Althingi. He was promptly arrested and put in jail for a previous conviction. Hökur had been a vocal and noticeable part of the protests, against building a huge hydroelectric plant 
that destroyed a unique part of the Icelandic wilderness. He had chained himself to a building crane and was arrested and sentenced to a fine, but with the stipulation that he would be imprisoned if it were not paid. Hökul was not the type of person who paid fines, but in Iceland it is not considered a priority to imprison non-violent offenders, so Hökul walked free, waiting for a summons to show up for his prison term. When Hökul was arrested without notice, it reeked of political influence. So people gathered round the police station where he was being held and demanded his release. A group of protesters stormed the station and were repelled by pepper spray. The standoff looked really bad but ended when Hökul was released after someone paid his fine. And a few years later he was awarded compensation from the state for an illegal arrest. We don't know who called whom to get Hökul arrested, but it is safe to assume that it involved someone from the ruling conservative party. Hökul was also known for his work with asylum seekers. He made a lot of Icelanders aware of how badly we treated these people. The most well-known example is when the Icelandic authorities try to export an uh, asylum seeker without due process. When the plane was supposed to fly him out, Hökur, along with a friend, ran into the runway and stopped it. I had gotten to know Hökur a few years before he got famous. I actually knew his mother first, who was, like me, a member of the Icelandic blogging scene. I think I first heard of Hökur when his mother posted an entry about her radical son, who was then only 17 years old. Unlike me, Hökur was obviously and effortlessly cool, which made me feel even less cool. I remember him giving me a fist bump. I could never give someone an unironic fist bump. It seems so obvious that I'm not cool enough to pull it off, though... Intellectually, I do approve of it as an alternative to the germ-spreading handshake. Hökur always seemed to be around. Where injustice was being done, you could expect to see him. But last March, I was scrolling through Facebook and saw someone who looked like him. Without examining the image, I thought to myself that I hadn't seen him in a while. Hökur was not the type of person to join Facebook. When I looked at the picture... I saw that it was indeed Hökur. He had changed. He had cut his hair short and was wearing a military uniform and carried what looked to my untrained eyes like an AK-47. Then I read the post in disbelief. It said that Hökur had been killed in Syria by the Turkish army. I was stunned. I had no idea it had gone there and it seemed that no one else did either. Iceland doesn't have a military. Taking part in wars is not in our culture. So it was shocked to see that someone you know, someone you care about, has been killed in a war in a far-off land. In the weeks and months afterwards, we got a clearer picture of how Hökur ended up in Syria. The image that I saw turned out to be a screenshot from a video which found its way onto YouTube. Please excuse the sound quality. I'm speaking from Raqqa on the 1st of December. If you couldn't make out what he said, it was that he was in Raqqa. You might not recognize the name, but you have likely heard it before. 
How could I join what can best be characterized as an international brigade that fought alongside Kurdish freedom fighter against ISIS, the Islamic State, also known as Daesh? If you know nothing about the Kurdish people, then here is a little background. These are people who live in a vast area within the borders of Turkey, Iran, Iraq and Syria. They have been ignored by the West while being oppressed by most of the governments in their region. When people in the West talk about Saddam Hussein using chemical weapons against his own people, they misunderstand the whole situation. The people he attacked were not his own. They were Kurds. Saddam didn't consider them his own people, and neither did they. The Kurdish freedom fighters that Hukur joined were the people who saved the Yazidis who fled the ISIS genocide. These freedom fighters include the women who famously battled ISIS. These are the people who are the beacon of human rights, equality and democracy in the Middle East. These are the people who liberated Raqqa, which had been the de facto capital of the Islamic State. Hukur explained why he decided to join the Kurdish struggle. Within the political organizations that were you know, non-sectarian, there, there are all sorts of freedoms which are expanded to the maximum capacity given the regional situation. Religious freedoms, ethnic equality, women's liberation, socialism, and so on and so on. All of this has been achieved through Struggle, armed struggle, in which hundreds, thousands, losing their lives all the time. And we in the West have been relieved to hear about every victory that they have had against the causes of Daesh. And at the same time, we have refused to join them, or not even thought about it, not even considered what it would take to ensure the ongoing victory over fascism, which is in the interest of us and in the interest of our humanity. It is totally unfair to have that position and to not consider the possibility of contributing uh, to this process. Hoekur felt that he couldn't sit by in peaceful, safe Iceland while fascism in the guise of ISIS was being fought by Kurdish forces with almost no support from the West. Hökur was, I think, first and foremost, an anti-fascist. After Hökur disappeared, his mother Eva Högstotir gave an interview with BBC Scotland. What we know is that he got missed in action. He, he went miss, missed in action in February and uh, 10 days later, the YPG announced him dead because they had not heard anything. We only had contact through email, and the last thing I heard from him was 4th February, and uh, he was supposed to come home in January. And 4th February, he told me that things had changed and he could not come home yet, but I should try not to worry, and I haven't heard from him since. Uh, he didn't tell me he was going. Of course, he knew that I would have tried everything in my power to stop him. But uh, when we found out, I thought it was a Greece. And when we found out that he had actually gone to Syria, of course, I was terrified. Fighting ISIS? Fighting 
people who chop off journalists' head and, uh, and stake them. Uh, I have lost my hope. But there are people, uh, both friends and family, who still hope and believe that he is alive somewhere. Comrades of Haukur from the International Brigade sent letters to Iceland about their time in Kurdistan. They usually called him Sain, which was his Kurdish nom de guerre, and is actually just a translation of his name, which in English means hawk. A fighter named Rostim wrote that after the liberation of Raqqa, a peaceful, relaxed period began. People began going back to Europe and America. Sain was one of the few people that stayed behind, making sure we all did sports. On Christmas, he even organized yuletide stretches. Sain was the one who stopped us from reading fiction novels or obscure political theory and made us read and discuss collectively Che Guevara's writings on guerrilla warfare. Sain would often come up when I was on guard duty, and we would talk for two hours straight about everything big and small. Our families and girlfriends, our homes, the war, and our future. The last time I saw him was when we crossed the border into Afrin. Being smuggled through the regime territory was some of the most stressful hours I have ever experienced. But Sahin was there beside me, making stupid faces and telling jokes and making sure I was calm. After waiting some hours in Aleppo, Sahin was put into a different truck and driven away. Some hours passed and I too was put into a truck, hidden under bags and people. After a stressful drive, my heart stopped at every checkpoint. I finally made it across the border. I entered the gate of the first YPG point and there came Sahin running towards me with the biggest smile I have ever seen, pure happiness shining from both eyes. That is how I will remember him. I see his smiling face every time I hear his name. Rustim is explaining how they were smuggled to Afrin, which is a district in northwest Syria. It had been controlled by Kurdish forces since 2012, during the course of the Syrian civil war, it had been a safe haven for refugees fleeing ISIS. It didn't matter what ethnicity or religion you were, the Kurds took you in. After the Islamic State had been mostly defeated, this little district had a big problem because it bordered Turkey. Today, the worst oppressor of the Kurds is President Erdogan of Turkey. He did very little while the Kurdish forces were fighting ISIS, and some even claim shady dealings between Turkey and ISIS. At the beginning of 2018, after the Kurds and other factions had mostly stamped out ISIS, Erdogan attacked. I have to reiterate because it is so atrocious. When the Kurds had finally gotten rid of ISIS, Turkey, a member of NATO, attacked them. This invasion displaced about 150 to 200,000 people, many of whom were refugees who had found safe haven in Afrin. In an airstrike against the Kurds in Afrin, many people were killed, and among them was the Icelander Hökur Hilmarsson. He was 31 years old. 
when the news of Haukur's death spread in Iceland, it was mostly through Facebook. His family hadn't known where he was, and his comrades didn't know how to contact them. To add insult to injury, the body was not, and has not been, retrieved. No one knows exactly where it is. As it does every year, on the 17th of June, 2018, Iceland celebrated its Independence Day. This year it rained, as it usually does. But it was also a day of protest. A man climbed on top of the House of Government and took down the Icelandic flag and hoisted up the Turkish flag instead. Afterwards, the man was arrested. This man's name is Darri Hilmarsson, and he is Haukur's brother. He, alongside other friends and family, think that the Icelandic government hasn't done enough to find Haukur, and that they are too timid to ask hard questions of the Turkish government. I think they really want to help us, but... Um I think also they are kind of naive. They um, they only want to use diplomatic channels, and I think they they should have contacted the Turkish media that said that the Turks had his body and they were going to repatriate him. They didn't want to talk to the Turkish media, and now when we get this news that uh, bodies are just lying around for weeks and months. They demand to know what became of Hökur. Where is his body? I really want to know. Where is Hökur? I am Oleg Nestisoljason and this has been Stories of Iceland, episode 11. Where is Hökur?